What's up, gang? This is um, the BSC pod episode one. But first of all, let me introduce you all to Mr. George Robinson. How are you, bud? How's it going? Good, thank you. Good man, good man. So uh, we've known each other, uh, oh my God, almost 10 years, mate. Yeah, long time, too long. Wow, too long. We were housemates in uni um, and now we're collabing to bring you some uh, nutritional content. Georgie boy, tell me a little bit about yourself, mate. I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me a little bit about the last four to five years and your area of expertise. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, over the last three and a half years, I'll start with there. I've been doing a PhD at Loughborough University. So I um, I was accepted to do it, and it was a, a research project, which was collaboration between the English Institute of Sport, which looks after the Olympic and Paralympic athletes, and um, British Athletics and Loughborough yep. University itself. So I've been doing a lot of research in beetroot juice plantation, how that affects both endurance exercise performance and sprinting. So kind of a bit of an amalgamation of what you could do in your training sessions anyway. Um, Alongside my PhD, uh, I've also been working for British Athletics uh, with the Olympic world-class program and the Paralympic athletes as well. And I'm currently a consultant nutritionist for the Paralympic Futures Academy. Um, And we actually have a camp this weekend as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. And so you, you, your kind of main area is like applied nutrition. So you look at the research and then you apply it um, the most effective, but the most, like the most efficient way as well, right? It can't be too complicated. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I think sometimes the field of nutrition, because everyone, everyone's an expert in food because we all have to eat. But the problem is sometimes there can be lots of myths and misconceptions that people hear from people in the gym, people at work, mm-hmm. online, you name it. So hopefully... What I'd like to try and achieve out this podcast is trying to help the people that are listening to your podcast, um, all of your BSC guys, yes, yes, um, and kind of streamline the information that they want to hear. So, you know, we've had a couple of responders um, to the today's topic about nutrition timing. Yeah. So we'll we'll get through those. But in the future, if people are interested in listening to this stuff, if they've got any questions, um, I would like to try and yeah try and reduce some of our myths around some of the things and give some just practical advice really um yeah. just to make it a bit more simple perfect i think yeah a few points you know we've we've agreed to have a couple of talks along the next few weeks so we're going to cover a, quite a few areas and like i mentioned to the guys and um, they have the opportunity to ask questions each week um but then you know as we post these podcasts out each week they have an opportunity to listen and then ask more questions like the more questions they ask the better right because then we're just empowering as many people as we can so um love it episode one topic of discussion nutrition timing um as mentioned typically what goes on is we discuss the topic and then we go for the questions at the end however we've specifically asked our members to go for questions or to ask anything that they, they kind of need us uh, answering so we'll ask them now we'll answer them now and then there's a few topics for us to discuss, but we can go for them later. So let's go with those four, four or five questions. Okay. Number uh, one. Yeah. You go first, bro. You, you take from the top. So the, the first question came in from Kim. So thank you, Kim. Um, the question was, um, would be interested to know thoughts on female specific nutrition pre-training 
uh, especially in the morning upon waking. Uh, and she's also written, some evidence suggests that females should not train fasted uh, as it were. Okay. So yeah, a couple of things there. So basically, uh, particularly around early morning training sessions, um, female athletes in fasted training. Yep. So in terms of what to have before training session, mm-hmm. um, for meal timings, you want to have your main meal roughly three to four hours before your training session. And okay. that's basically because food sits in the stomach for about two hours digesting. So if you allow three to four hours before training for a main meal, so like breakfast, lunch, dinner, for instance, that'll be sufficient enough time for your food to digest and also for the, the energy that you be required for your training session to be transported in the blood to your muscles. Yep. All right. If you've only got an hour or two hours before a training session, that's when you're kind of looking towards snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, here, the, the snack should contain uh, mostly carbohydrate with uh, small amounts of protein and fat. And the reason for that is because protein and fat take much longer to digest. So if you have foods which contain lots of these, um, like a big steak, for instance, Mm -hmm. it would feel quite heavy in your stomach, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of the type of carbohydrate that you might be looking for, now, if you tell me, Reese, are people aware of the glycemic index of carbs or something that is sometimes referred to as fast and slow release carbs? We've so within the FLA and on one to one type check ins, I discussed that with members. We haven't gone into length as a group. You know, we might have a discussion uh, like looking at some high sugar based carbs, so like sweets and or something like that, bagel and jam, yeah, something along those lines. But we haven't gone into depth, so take it away. Yeah, let's go. So, with your one to two hour pre training snack. The carbohydrate should largely be a high GI or fast-releasing carb um, purely because it's more readily available in the body, so it won't be sat in your stomach for so long. And really, you just want to go for carbs which are lower in fibre, for instance, um, to avoid any kind of like GI or stomach distress. So that's what I recommend. So you can have things like um, rice cakes with jam. That's quite a simple one that a lot of people do. A lot of the athletes I work with, they use that as a very simple way of doing it. So you want to avoid things like oats, oat-based products like cereal bars with oats because oats got more fiber in. Um, yes, they're good for a healthy, balanced diet, but immediately before a training session, like the hour before, not so good. So mm-hmm. go for a rice-based uh, cereal bar, if you like. Um, now then, with if you haven't got a, if you haven't got an hour before your training session, so you're literally thinking early morning training session. And what times your training session starting? Morning? That that was going to be one of my questions. Six a.m. So that would mean a four or five a.m. rise. And George, these guys just won't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in that instance where you're an early bird and you have to get up and go to the gym for six o'clock, um, this is kind of when timing comes into it to a certain extent. So if you've got less than an hour, say you're waking up at five five thirty you don't really want to be having solid food. You want to be having fuel sources, which are largely fluids. Mm -hmm. Um, So to the question back to Kim, about what to have for an early morning pre-trained session, stick to fluids. So it might be something as simple as a glass of orange juice without Mm -hmm. mincing it. So again, like trying to reduce the fiber content of that drink. Um, So it's it's keeping it simple, keeping it familiar, 
but yeah. making sure that it's it's not a solid food because otherwise you're probably going to see that food come back up again. Yeah. Um, something that I should also mention at this point is probably something that we're going to talk about later on anyway, um, and that's what to have the night before, the evening before in your in your tea if you're in the north or dinner if you're in the south. Yes. <laughs> um, so what to have for your dinner? That's going to be far more important for that six a.m. training session. So making sure that you have a evening meal which has moderate to high carbohydrate amounts in there. So you're going to have a source of carbohydrate, which might be potato, rice, pasta, couscous, something along them lines. Just make sure you're going to resynthesize that stored carbohydrate in your muscles, which is called glycogen. Yeah. Okay. That's your battery pack, basically. And if you have sufficient amounts of glycogen in your body, you've got enough stored energy for around about 90 minutes of high intensity exercise or the type of exercise you're going to be doing with Reese at six o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, it's rock and roll. All right. <laughs> so that's, that's what I would recommend as well. Just think about what you're going to have the evening before and not just the morning of a training session. Okay. All right. And, and then that's that part about females training fasted. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, in, in my studies, I haven't come across any research which has specifically looked at this in in great detail yeah however when we consider energy availability that's when things can be a bit more significant for females okay mm -hmm. so i've kind of got a little bit of information here which hopefully should be useful to everyone but particularly thinking about females because if you're not if you don't have enough energy for day-to-day -day activities plus your physical activity on top of that you're going to be in a calorie deficit or in a low energy availability state. Okay. So there are, um, bandwidths, if you like to say mm -hmm. what's not enough and what is enough in terms yep. of energy availability. So all we're talking about here is fueling basic calories. Yeah. So from, from the literature, a, an optimal amount of energy availability, uh, is this, and I do have an example here. Okay. So if you are a 60 kilogram person or female, which is equivalent to nine stone, four pounds, thereabouts, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can then work out what your energy availability is, what you need to have day to day, which is suggested as around about 45 calories per kilogram of fat-free mass. Fine. Okay. And what I mean by fat-free mass is everything other than body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a, a healthy body fat percentage for a female is approximately 25%. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a little bit of simple maths here. If you've got a 60 kilogram female athlete and you take 25% of their body mass away, that equates to 15 kilograms. So then you're left with 45 kilograms of mass left over, which is not fat. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then really simply from there, if you take your 45 calories, that you, that you required per kilogram of body weight, all you need to do is multiply 45 calories by 45 kilograms and you get 2,025 calories a day, which is there or thereabouts. It, to, that 2,000 calorie, that's where that figure comes from. Mm -hmm. All right, so that you, when you read the back of nutrition labels on food labels and like that, that's really the equation that people are using. How much energy does a female or a male need for any given day? based off some very general maths. Yeah, we have we have a calorie count calculator through our app and we can look at PAL physical activity levels, which doesn't involve exercise and stuff. So we can make it more specific to those 
to the individual as well. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. In terms of that mental cycle and that four-week cycle, of course, it, you know, there's going to be times within that cycle where females are maybe feeling a bit more lethargic, will have more energy. And I've had these conversations where it's, if you're within part of that cycle where you are feeling tired, then don't worry about trying to be in a deficit and trying to lose weight. Don't worry about calories. Just eat to how you are feeling. You know, if you are feeling low on energy, then have some food. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, every, every, every female that has a normal menstrual cycle will, will experience that. That's yeah. part parcel of being human effectively. Mm -hmm. So again, it's making sure that the energy is available there so that the normal metabolic and hormonal function can happen within the body. If those things aren't happening and your body's having to adjust its energy expenditure and by doing so, if it stops functioning normally from a metabolic or hormonal response just to save itself, it then goes into a very much like a, a life-saving um, lockdown mode, if you like, in the body. So if you are a regular um, client with Reese and you do like to do your, I don't know, three, four, five week training sessions, um, you just need to make sure that during the different phases of the menstrual cycle, that you're just aware of how much energy demands your body is going to be under, whether it's having to deal with the exercise on top of the hormonal response your body's taking, it's making sure that you are fueling appropriately for everything in your day-to-day -day life, which yeah. it's not an exact mathematical equation every single day. It's very difficult because every day is, every day is different. Your energy expenditure can be very different, but it's just the things to consider and take into account. Okay, wicked. So it's, it's not black and white. It is, there's, always, there's so many moving parts. And some of these questions, they're always going to be like that. It's like, well, it depends. And that it's not necessarily like a cop-out because it really does depend on the type of day, the time, you know, for females, the cycle. So it's trial and error, stay patient. And like George has mentioned about the different types of foods, um, the different types of carbohydrates to take on board um, before that, that yeah. exercise. And on, in that same note, so for instance, um, we've gone through what is an optimal amount of calories per kilogram of yeah. fat mass. So that's the, yeah. the 45 calories, but the low energy availability, which isn't recommended is if you go less than 30 calories per kilogram of fat-free mass. Okay. Yeah. That's when you really start to impede the body's function in terms of metabolism and hormonal responses. So if we go back to our 60 kilogram female again, Still the same body fat percentage, 25%. So we can get rid of 15% of uh, 15 uh, kilograms and we're left with our 45 kilograms. So if we then say, well, 29 calories of energy per kilogram, then it leaves you with around about 1300 calories a day, which is not recommended. That's huge. No, that's like, well, 30% deficit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a big chunk. Yeah. So, and it, but the thing is, it's, it's quite easy to, to do that because when you talk talking about the difference between 1300 calories a day and 2000 calories a day and the significant changes that can cause in the body, really talking really about a main meal. So maybe you've accidentally skipped a meal because you just had quite a stressful day at work. Maybe you've missed lunch because you're maybe homeschooling the kids, although they're going back to school now. But there's various things there where you can quite easily slip into that less than 30 calorie uh, per kilogram of 
fat-free mass. Right. Fairly yeah. So nice. it's just something to bear in mind. I love it. Nice one. Next question, Georgie boy. Let's have a right. look. Number two. So, yeah, there, there isn't a name for this person, but, uh, yeah, so question two is, after a hard run or race, um, although I always hydrate afterwards and that is what my body is telling me to do, I find it. I find that I just don't want to eat anything for at least an hour. Is this okay or should I make myself eat? And if so, what would you suggest? Okay. Mm. So there's quite a lot to this one again, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would say is it's very normal if you've done a hard run or, or a race for yeah. your um, appetite to be suppressed. That's mm. a very common occurrence for endurance exercise and We've, there's been a lot of studies completed on that and we know this is is a fact okay so it's nothing to be concerned about but it's just something to be aware of um so yes you might be feeling like you don't want to eat something and this person is asking should i force myself to eat something well it's really just an individual basis if you feel like you couldn't stomach anything um and not see it come back up again then you know mm -hmm. i would suggest no don't but mm -hmm. what i'd ask people to consider is um, think about what type of food they're, they're actually trying to eat after a hard yeah. training session or race and how soon after. Okay. So when I'm working with my athletes, I would always advocate trying to get some fluids back in the body first. So in, for instance, you're trying to think about rehydration and maybe and carb, carb uh, intake uh, soon after a training session. And that's mainly to do with resynthesizing that stored carbohydrate, that muscle glycogen and liver glycogen. Yeah, like we said, that battery, recharging it basically, yeah? Yeah, exactly, spawn. Yeah, yeah. So what I would suggest that immediately after a race, sort of like within the, within the hour after a race, is trying to get some fluids. So really simply, um, a, a pr very practical way to do that, to rehydrate, replace that carbohydrate, and maybe get a little bit of protein there, is having some uh, chocolate milk. Yeah, so new, I was I was thinking, he's either going to say isotonic milk or chocolate milk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so... And the reason for that is because um, milk itself, it is obviously got water content in there. It's got natural occurring electrolytes. So the natural salts that are in there that I need to rehydrate properly. Mm -hmm. It's got carbohydrate and it's also got protein. Mm -hmm. So it's got all them four key um, components that will help you rehydrate and recover after a hard training session or a race. So that's one thing that I would recommend doing. And it tastes banging. Banana, chocolate, you name it. Yeah, and it feels like a sweet treat as well, so it's always good. And then I'm sure there's got to be some sort of vegetarian or vegan option out there, right? Like, they might have, you know, created this milk shake. Yeah, you can have, You can simply use, like, almond milk. So if okay, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are a vegetarian or vegan and you don't want to have um, a, a cow's milk product, um, you can go for an alternative, such as like a non-dairy option, like almond milk. Yeah, that's has the same, same benefits. Has has the same. Uh, it has. Um, it doesn't contain as much protein, mm -hmm. um, and that protein is specifically being whey protein. So you won't get necessarily as as great a response in terms of muscle recovery. Um, yeah. But it does contain water and electrolytes. So, if from a hydration perspective, yes, it it does work as well. From a recovery perspective, not quite so much. And then if you were, it says here, should I make myself? And if so, what do you suggest? So if you were to say, have something, if you, you know, if you can pretty much tolerate it 
would it be high GI again? Yeah. So yeah. again, so you think about that with the fast release carbs, basically. Yeah. Um, so from a from a food perspective, mm-hmm. um, so like moving away from fluids, but from a food perspective, going for something which is a high GI carb. It's got a little bit of protein there as well. Um, I actually advocate, which might be unusual, but I actually suggest to particularly endurance athletes that I work with having rice pudding. Lovely. Bit of jamming. A bit of jamming, yeah. So it's it's a product which you you know you can carry around with you in your in your bag. It doesn't take much to eat it. It's quite uh, it's quite palatable. It's very easy to digest. From the from the rice, so there's 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 quite a lot of benefits there. You broke up when you said highly palatable. Your uh, your farm Wi-Fi broke up, mate. So can you just right. repeat that last part? Yeah, so I'm, I will say I am in the middle of the North Yorkshire side. <laughs> great internet connection. Yeah. Um, yeah, so rice pudding, it's highly palatable, but it does have a combination of the high GI and low GI carbs. So you can have right. the sugar in there um, as well as the, the rice as well. Uh, and because it's milk, again, um, you got some protein. So it's actually quite a good recovery food. Awesome. Wicked. Yeah. Number three. Okay, number three. Here we go. So number three, uh, again, comes from Anonymous, uh, but it says, what is the best type of whey protein? Um, what is the main benefit um, of isolate, concentrate, and hydrolysis? Minefield to a layman as well as to even try and pronounce the word. <laughs> okay, so like what are the differences between them, them different whey protein products mm-hmm. so uh the first one being uh whey concentrate so that's just the most simple form that you, usually most people have um and it's basically whey is a byproduct of when your uh, farms are, pr- are processing cheese so whey protein actually used to be thrown out and it used to be given to the animals on the farm because no one really thought much of it it was a byproduct and they didn't want it it was waste Hench animals. Wow. Exactly. (laughs) Then obviously some clever person thought, well, there's a market here from the sport industry. And then all of a sudden it just exploded. And that's history now. Everyone knows what whey protein powder is. Mm -hmm. Um, So whey protein concentrate is the the first filtering process. And you've got around about 70% protein by weight there. Okay. Yeah. So if you've got, if you've got 10 grams, you've got roughly 70% of that, which is seven grams of protein. The rest of it is sugar and fat. Mm-hmm. So the sugar being uh, lactose. Okay. okay, that's that's the sugar that's in milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from that instance, whey protein concentrate is absolutely fine to use. Uh, it's got that high protein concentration at 70%. It's usually the cheapest one on the market as well, so it's a bit more cost-effective. Yep. Um, and it just contains a little bit of sugar and fat, which is actually quite useful for normal cell functioning within the body. Cool. So the second one is a whey isolate. Yeah. Right. So this one, it's a bit more pure or refined whey protein. So this is the next stage of that uh, manufacturing process from the whey concentrate to the whey isolate. And from by weight you've got about 90 percent of protein per gram okay so then if you go back to example of well if you've got 10 gram weight nine grams that will be protein so 
yes, you do have more protein bang for your buck than necessarily, but it comes at a price. So they're usually a bit more expensive on the market to buy. Um, and saying that because it's gone through that filtering process, you've actually taken away them uh, sugars and fat, which could actually be essential for normal body function anyway. So you kind of have to think about what, what is it that you're trying to get out of that recovery uh, product. In a practical sense, sorry to interrupt, in a practical sense, so I used to have concentrate, my stomach just could not deal with it because yeah. of the lactose. Yeah. I, I assumed. So I tried isolate and perfect. Yeah. So that is definitely one of the benefits of using isolate. So if you are someone who um, is sensitive to lactose, um, that lactose is basically it's negligible amounts in the isolate so it probably won't have that inflammatory response within within the stomach and, and gut so yeah if anyone does have a dairy intolerance that's because of the lactose the sugar that's in milk that's why so yes maybe try a different product for that particular reason awesome because a lot of people will have yogurt so i'll have yogurt in the day and then if i'm having concentrate i'm having more lactose on top of that yeah so it makes sense that even if you're not that susceptible to, you know, a dodgy gut when you have lactose is maybe think about grabbing some isolate and there's really good prices now. It's like 50 quid for five gram, five kilograms of protein, which is like a month's worth, uh, six months worth. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's always that, there's always that weighing up between how much you want to spend, what's actually in the product and also the fact that it is a high value protein content. So Again, it depends if you just if you just purely want protein, the isolate is pretty much like the go-to one. Cool. Um, and in terms of the, the third one, the hydrolyzed whey protein. So the term hydrolyze basically or hydrolysis basically means water and removal of. Right. So what's happened here is water has been added to the whey, which has caused the compounds to separate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the basically amino acids that make up whey have then been separated. So there is some limited evidence to suggest that it does help with the digestion reabsorption a little bit faster um, for the, the hydrolyzed whey protein. Yep. But there isn't really enough substantial evidence to really say how much of an extra benefit it would have. And when we're talking about if you're doing a gym session or you know, you may, you may be training once a day or once every other day, this hydrolyzed whey protein powder probably isn't going to be that essential for you. It's when you talk about elite athletes and they've got maybe got two or three training sessions every day okay. and they're going to have to have a very fast digestion turnaround and absorption time between the training sessions. So really when you talk about which is the best one, I would kind of say either go for the whey concentrate or if you're really thinking about the, the added extra protein content within the isolate and maybe you're thinking about, well, I know that the way concentrate has got lactose in there and that's what upsets my stomach. Maybe then opt for the, for the isolate instead. Right, awesome. And I can put some context to this because I know who asked this question. Okay. Um, Rob Kerr. So uh, Mr. Kerr started with us eight weeks ago now. So he's, he's plays cricket, has been um, running all his life, loves running. Um, and we were looking at increasing protein. We're looking at different ones. I said, go to bulk powder, have a look. So this is hopefully now just kind of cleared that as to go for concentrate. It's, you know, the best in terms of um, 
value i guess just value for money there like it's easy we you know we're not yeah. here to get the best product as such but if you have, i know for a fact that he's increased his yogurt intake so it might be a case of try both get five get 500 grams of one 500 grams of the other yeah see just try it out and see what works for you yeah absolutely yeah. i love it okay last one and our last question from bsc group is uh, again it's anonymous but mm -hmm. what is the best natural protein to eat uh, within 60 minutes of finishing a half marathon okay so natural protein for recovery after half marathon uh, we've kind of picked up on this earlier um with the, the sort of the topics around whey protein and yeah. yes i would say go for a food product which contains whey protein yeah um, and again an example would be something like chocolate milk so mm -hmm. you it's if fluids you're rehydrating it's got carbohydrate and protein there and the whey content of milk is approximately 20 percent, and the other 80 percent being casein so you have both slow and fast release releasing protein uh compounds in there but particularly with recovery yeah. i did mention one particular uh, protein which is yeah. called lutein Mm -hmm. Here we go. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that don't know, leucine is a protein. It's an essential amino acid. Okay. And the reason why it's essential is because the body can't produce itself. But it needs to get the, it needs to get through the diet. So it's basically whatever you eat. And the particular important thing about leucine is that it's a key signaling molecule for lots and lots of different things that happen in the body which are related to skeletal muscle recovery hypertrophy uh and repair so the key to that lock isn't it exactly yeah yeah so you have a much greater response for recovery if you have foods which contain leucine and largely they are dairy products or mm -hmm. meat mm -hmm. effectively so if you're looking for Again, a good recovery product or drink after a hard training session, such as a half marathon, you can't go too far wrong with a, a pound, uh, like a litre bottle of chocolate milk, which costs a pound from the supermarket. Holy sh So we're going to have to sponsor some sort of milk, the chocolate <laughs> yeah. milk, mate. Yeah, and you got, everyone's going to be bringing in their chocolate milk now when we come back <laughs> in on the 12th. <laughs> no more... Uh, no more FLAs for my guys. It's like our transformation six week. They'll be all on the chocolate milk now. Oh, right. Bulking. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, is that is that answer number four? I got a few questions. Yeah, that's that's what I can think of from from that person. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great question. But again, you know, when you're considering how you feel after you've done a race, which is like a half marathon. You yeah. are going to have that um, reduced appetite, so your satiety is going to be pretty high, and you maybe don't want to eat too many solid foods because maybe you can't mm -hmm. stomach them. Perhaps you've got a bit of stomach dis distress. So mm -hmm. again, having like a, a fluid-based product after a half marathon is probably going to be a much easier, palatable um, food substance to have. Awesome. I think it's, it's obviously uh, something to note that we we never work that hard as if you're doing a half marathon in the gym. So you might get a little bit of um, distress in which you can't consume a whole plate of food, but there might be some foods like we've discussed, those carbohydrates and those proteins and just have it in smaller amounts after you've trained maybe um, in like two 
I don't know, if you're going to work, you might have two Tupperwares, smaller lunches or that type of yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. So kind of if you think about, so that last question was about post-exercise. So, and the whole thing, the whole discussion here is about nutrient timing. So before and after usually. So if yeah. you're going to after exercise, um, just picking up on a couple of them points. So again, I don't know whether some of your listeners are, are aware of a, what's kind of called a, like a recovery window as such. Some people seem to think that they need to have food, you know, within 30 minutes or within 20 minutes after finishing the training. Otherwise, they're not going to have the benefits of the training session. That's mm -hmm. simply not true. No. But what it is more of is a bit more of a continuum. Mm. So if you imagine um, a torch, a torchlight. Yeah. And the closer you are to that torch like the, the more intense the beam is but obviously the further away you get the wider the beam becomes and the kind of less dazzling mm -hmm. so if you take the torch analogy as your training session yeah yes your your uh your requirements for the body and the processes that are um readily available but for the body and it's it's requirement to have nutrients after finishing exercise are more yeah. intense closer to that training session and they do dim to a certain extent after but within the population that you're used to training so if you take a healthy uh healthy 35 year old for instance yeah following a training session their muscle protein synthesis or their capacity to actually develop muscle is actually sustained for 48 hours after they finish that training session mm-hmm so when people maybe start thinking, well, I haven't trained today, I trained yesterday, but not today, your body will still be recovering and adapting from the training session 24 hours ago. So, yeah, go on. I think, I think for what we, what we try and do is when, when we go through discussing protein and training, it's more of a habitual thing of like, that next meal after you train, try and get some protein in there. Because it's just a nice cue, you know, you've trained, you want to try and recover and optimize it. So, but you know, we know that breakfast, lunch, dinner, and our snacks, you know, we should have a variety. We should have some protein in there. Yeah. So I'd say to I'd say to members, like, just make sure you have some protein in the evening. So if you're training, it's like habit stacking. You've trained, and then your next meal will have some form of high protein. It's yeah. getting into that habit more than being like optimize, optimize, find that window. As you mentioned, there's not really a window. Yeah, to that, yeah that, that kind of like 20 minute window, it just doesn't exist. But right. again, um, kind of using the torch analogy again from a carbohydrate perspective. Yeah. Sooner, sooner after that training session, your muscles are like sponges and they're far more receptive to take in carbohydrate and restore it as glycogen. Yeah. So to get a little bit sciencey here, if I can. Here we go. Basically, imagine on the, the outside of your muscle, there is a series of gates. Yeah. And straight after the training session, a lot of those gates are wide open. And there is, a, there is something called in the body called GLUT4. And basically that GLUT4 goes to a receptor site and during exercise, they all migrate towards receptor sites and open these gates far more receptive to take in carbohydrate and protein. The longer you leave it, 
the less excited these gates are and the receptor sites close down, so the, sh the gates shut, and the, then the muscle is less receptive to take on board some of these nutrients, which is why people have this kind of like 20 minute, half an hour, hour window to, yeah. to resynthesize or to recover after training session. But it goes on far beyond an hour, four or five hours, 24 hours. So you can still record it, okay? But when another thing is, that I wanted to kind of ask you, Reese. Does do any of your clients do they really only focus on having protein after a training session because they're thinking, well, I want to avoid carbs because I've just exercised and want to kind of like burn a bit more fat? Does as, does anyone kind of come around anything like that? No, we've never we've you know we've never gone down that that realm of shying away from carbohydrates. You know, if anything, we're looking at our our dinner our tea time being full of nutrients, full of, you know, fats, carbs, and proteins and having a whole round meal. Um, we all, I always, you know, promote front loading some protein in the beginning of the day as well, typically. And, and that's the conversation was like, this conversation is perfect for your kind of stage two guys, which are really optimizing performance, but it's actually really relevant to the people that are just trying to get a gauge on their protein and their carbohydrates and their fats and understand that we need to have protein across the whole day. Yeah, exactly. So just that, though, um, most athletes I work with do struggle to have sufficient amounts of protein in the morning at breakfast. And it's really down to maybe, maybe not so much edu not education, but the Western culture, our Western diets are kind of like, well, what's in the cupboard it's going to be cereal bagels bread those kinds of foods but if you go to a different culture they'll have they won't even touch cereal you know they'll have like cheese and ham with a bit of bread meats yeah yeah exactly. so yeah definitely i definitely would suggest like you just said having a good source of protein good quality protein first thing in the morning to help with the muscle protein synthesis throughout the day just yeah. to stimulate that muscle recovery again so Constantly, every day, all the time, you're going through a balance of muscle breakdown and muscle protein synthesis and muscle recovery all the time. And that's why when Reese talks about spreading a meal intake throughout the day, it's exactly for that reason. If you go through a period of fasting, so you don't eat, which, you know, for some people that do a fasted diet, intermittent fasting, you know, sometimes they don't eat for 16 hours. Mm -hmm. The, the caveat to that is, is that you're not giving the body a protein stimulus to help it recover. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there are potential benefits of increasing fat oxidation within the body and becoming a better fat burner if you're mm -hmm. using a fasted diet. But then the flip side of that, you can actually destimulate muscle protein synthesis, which can actually make you reduce your muscle mass. So there is, there is a bit of a game to play here. And I think in the main, you know, as long as we are weight training, as long as we are having those daily doses of protein with carbohydrate, you know, before, carbohydrate after, in the middle, carbohydrate at the end of the day with fats in and around that, yeah. then you're not doing too much wrong. And no. it's like, don't overthink it. And like, you know, there's tweaks like you've mentioned with, being, being really clever with your chocolate milk, being really clever with your rice and your jam and your high GI foods. Like those are the points you want to take on. And as long as you've got those protein hits, I think you're doing really well. Yeah. Um, 
you know, really in the, the day, just keep it simple. Um, mm. You don't have to completely change. You know, if, if someone comes to you and says, look, Reese, I want six weeks. I want to join your program and I want to lose weight. Yeah. And it's not always a case of changing every part of your life. It's not, a, it's not a case of like, I need to be this completely new person, this different person. It's, it's whatever sustainable. Mm. So whatever you can maintain, yes, that's six weeks, but realistically, it's really what you can maintain for six months. That's mm. really going to have that benefit. Yep. So when we, if we kind of go back to before, when we talk about energy availability, that between that 30 and 45 calories per kilogram of fat-free mass, so long as you can maintain that and don't go below that 30 mark or 35 mark and, in, and still go to, the, go to the training sessions with you at BSC Fitness, making sure you're making them good habit changes, that's what really counts. Love it. I've got two questions. So if we can really quickly run through them, I'm conscious of time because we wanted to try and keep these to like 20 to 25 and we've just it's the way it is. Um, love it. Um, okay. So we've, we've obviously covered pre we've and we, we've talked a little bit about post nutrition but for those members that are training later in the evening uh they're training from seven to eight and then they get in home they then need to eat maybe half eight quarter to nine o'clock and they get into bed for half nine what's the advice there because probably not doing wonders for their sleep is it you know their sleep quality and that rest and digest yeah, so it's, it is, again, it's, it's, it's quite a common occurrence, really. Um, unfortunately, there isn't an awful lot you can do because, yes, you, you should have that evening meal uh, following the training session. But what I would suggest here is planning. So if you can have either dinner ready and waiting for you or just something that is super quick to make, maybe it's a, a chicken stir fry with noodles and, you know, yeah. hey, presto, it's already made in 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, super tasty. Still has all the nutrients that you need in it, um, but it, yes, it will have it will have a slight knock-on impact with your sleep. Mm. Um, but again, if you have a source of carbohydrate within that meal, carbohydrate reduce, uh, stimulates the release of melatonin, and that encourages sleep. So, having a source of carbohydrate in your evening meal is actually really beneficial for sleep as well as recovery. You could have you could have some carbohydrate and shake. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Easy. Um, all right, wicked. Last one, real quick. Your th your three go tos in terms of three pre workout snacks or meals, whatever, and your three recoveries. I can guess what one recovery will be. Okay. Uh, pre exercise, you're gonna be looking at things like uh, rice cakes, white bread. One, two, one more, uh, and even a banana. Gosh, yeah, I'm all about that banana and coffee um post post exercise you've got to get some carbohydrate and protein here so you're thinking yogurt chocolate milk there it is one more and i would even suggest doing something like philadelphia cream cheese Ooh, hello on a on a like a, a cracker or a rice cake and what a way to end it love it mate thank you for your time um we will figure out what week two will be um, and we'll come at you next Tuesday of course with that um, episode and you know come with full force plenty of questions and we'll answer them thank you Georgie yeah, cheers Reece. thanks so much pleasure have a fantastic day take care